have the opportunity for people to give praise to God. Uh, and so um, you can be thinking about that as we uh, as we look at First Peter for a couple of minutes. Um, but if there are things that you would like to, to give praise to God for, uh, you can either unmute online or come to the mic here, or I can walk with a microphone to you. Um, but first, uh, a few thoughts. Uh, you may know the statement, nature abhors a vacuum. Nature hates a vacuum. So this means that, that empty spaces tend to get filled by something. right? If, if there's empty space, something's going to come in there. And the reality is if we don't specifically fill it with good, it's often filled with bad. Right? Unless we choose to fill a space with good things, it might get filled with bad things. And so uh, let me give you uh, two examples, and then glad to have you unmute, shout out some other examples. But examples in a physical world, uh, weeds grow in empty soil, right? If you get some good soil and you just let it sit there, stuff's going to grow. And it's probably going to be things that just grows really easily, and it's probably not what we want. Uh, but empty soil with nothing else there, it's going to just grow whatever will grow first. And very often these are what we would think of as weeds. Obviously, I'm more interested in human interaction. So I'm going to give you one example. Uh, when there aren't good ways to use our time, often bad things start to happen. Right? So just, we don't know what to do. We're just kind of sitting idle. Often, not very good things starts to fill that space. So that's one example. Are there other examples of where nature abhors a vacuum where things come in, especially in human interactions, where there's a void, what comes in might not be what we really want to be there. Any ideas? Yeah. What was that? People litter. Yeah, so in an open space, and yeah, we have things that happen that aren't what we want. They, they drop things, they throw things out. Good. Other thoughts? Somebody will take up residence. You leave the house empty. We'll look more at that in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason why there are substitute teachers in school. Right? We don't just say, oh, the teacher couldn't come today, so you all just take care of yourselves. We say, well, maybe not. Any other examples? Maybe when you're away from the people you usually are around, you might behave very differently. Okay. Yeah, so when we're... When we are outside of the environment that gives us a lot of good support, we might behave in different ways that might not be as good as would be there with that support around us. That's good. Yeah? I think especially post-pandemic, uh, there's, uh, there's something intrinsic in social interactions when you actually meet people and hmm. interact with them, whether it's in the office or in spaces that um, when we've been so far away, we actually become more suspicious. Hmm. We, are, we lose the skills that we take for granted and Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. So we've been separate and we've lost some things in, and other things have kind of filled the gap in here. And now we come together and discover there's some muscles we haven't been using, right? The space has led to some things that aren't, aren't the best things. I think of this in terms of our souls, that if there is empty space in our souls, nature abhors a vacuum. Something's going to go there. And if we aren't intentional about it, it can often be what's not very good. So this, this statement from the prophet Amos, he says this, The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, but not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. It says the days are coming when there will be a famine for hearing God's words that our, our souls will have this empty space and God's word won't be available, won't be present to come and fill this space. And so it's just a little reflection for me that in the vacuum of our souls, if we don't fill our souls with words from God, other things tend to enter. And this is some of the things that I've seen in me and the world around me. Maybe this fits for you, maybe it doesn't. But if I'm not filling my soul with words from God, often it gets filled with judgment of people judging each other and saying, there's the problem, those people are bad, and these people are bad for this reason. 
And what I found, as soon as one person says you're bad, the tendency of that person to say, well, oh yeah, you're bad too, right? <laughs> we fill our souls with judgment. We fill our souls with complaining and retelling trouble. And sometimes we even try to impress each other with how bad a trouble we can tell each other. <laughs> right? We fill this gap with trouble. We, we fill this gap with telling other people how they can change to make our lives better. Right? It, we pretend it's to make their lives better, but we actually want our life to have more peace and less trouble. So we say, you guys just fix your problems. Because it's kind of a pain, your problems affecting me. And actually I find that sometimes... My soul gets filled with people telling me how to be a better person, to be a better husband, for me to be a better father, to be a better pastor, to be a citizen. And my soul gets filled with people saying, here's how you should be better. This is what you have to do to be better. And it's, it's not the word of God that's filling me. It's other people saying, here's my wisdom, my knowledge. This is what you need to do to be better. If I don't fill my soul with the word of God, it gets filled with many other things. And the reality is when it gets filled with other things, then we experience a famine for hearing the words of the Lord. And so maybe you don't experience this, but I do. I see this, that we may get discouraged on how poorly we've done. Even when people are praised, other people are praised, they've done such a great thing. And, and that fills me with, oh boy, but that's not me. I'm not good like that. We might get discouraged because we don't easily change. Or we may look at our world and, and just lose hope. For a community in our world, especially when we have industries that are designed to tell us how bad things are. And when we fill our hearts with this, we lose hope. We begin to get discouraged and more deeply discouraged and think nothing will change. And so I want to pray as we look at this passage today that God would let us hear his words. That he would fill our souls with his word, with his declaration. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do give praise to you. You are the God who is over all, and you have revealed yourself to us. You have given us your word, and you have sent your son to be the perfect expression of, of who you are and of your will. And we ask, Father, today that you would fill our souls with your words that you would nourish us with your communication, that your breath would fill our breath. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would work today to bring the nourishment, the hope, the renewal that comes by hearing the will and the ways of the eternal God, of the creator of the ends of the earth, the redeemer of all your children. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your work today. We give praise to you, Jesus. Amen. The title today is Declaring God's Praises, and here, Ben, a little bit like uh, your description, except it's not people who have moved into the house. Some critters have moved into the house. We're looking at 1 Peter 2. Uh, just a brief look at this to lead us into a time of sharing, of declaring God's praises. Um, so I encourage you to have this text in front of you. I do have it on the screen, and there are the link. Uh, to the handouts, and there's some in the room as well. Just briefly looking at 1 Peter 2, uh, starting at verse 4. As you come to Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Let's so look at those verses for a second. As you come to Jesus, the living stone. And I love this expression, the living stone. A stone was something that was stable and secure and a solid foundation. But we're not coming to a dead stone. We're coming to the living stone who is life itself. And he says, as you come to this living stone, you also are like living stones. There's a way in which we are like Jesus in being built as a foundation, built as him as the foundation, yet that we would be a part of a building, yet we're living, we're alive. And he says that we are being built into a spiritual house. 
And I love the fact that this word for house can refer literally to a house. It can refer to a temple, like the temple of God. And it can also refer to a family, a household. And he says that you're being built together into something, not just a building, but a people. And you have a particular task. We're being built into a people whose goal or purpose it is, is to offer spiritual sacrifices like in the temple. He says, as you come to this living stone, you also, like living stones, are being built to be a spiritual house, a people that's a temple. And this temple is to be a place where there are sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices offered to God. So we see here that those who trust in Jesus are living stones like Jesus, becoming a spiritual house to praise God through Jesus. This isn't true of everyone. So then verse 7. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious. But those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble. And a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. He says, I, I write this to you who believe about this stone and you are living stones. But he says, for those who do not believe, for those who do not obey the message, he says, there's trouble. They will stumble. They will fall. He says that those who don't trust in Jesus fall because they reject him. So he becomes the decision point. How we respond to Jesus determines, are we living stones being built into a house or are we part of a crumbling structure that will fall? And it's all determined by our response to Jesus. Then in verse 9, he returns to those who trust in Jesus. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. These are such powerful, amazing words, a description for us. He says, but you, and who is the you? The you is you who believe in Jesus Christ. Right? He says, to you who believe in Jesus Christ, this is the hope you have. If you don't trust in Jesus Christ, you're not part of this. But if you do, he says, and these wonderful words, he says, you're chosen, you're royal, you're holy. You're special. Right? He says that you who believe in Jesus Christ, you are deeply loved and valued by God. Deeply loved and valued. But he says you're a chosen people. You're a priesthood. You're a nation. You're a possession. And I love this because all of these are collections of people. That we are a community and we are a family together. That those who believe in Jesus are deeply loved and valued by God, brought into a community, a family, together with a purpose. And this is the purpose. That you may declare the praises of him. God has redeemed for himself a people. That this people would offer up spiritual sacrifices to declare the praises of him who showed us mercy. Of him who rescued us. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare his praises. Simply put, the big idea is that all who trust in Jesus are deeply loved by God. And our purpose is to give praise to God by words and actions. He says this is the purpose of redeeming for himself a people, is that we would together, as God's dearly loved ones, Give praise to God. So, here is my drawing of a house that's been empty for too long. And the critters come in and make it home. Yet, perhaps this is a picture of parts of our souls. And when God's praises are not made known, lesser things fill their space. And I'm convinced that this is true in our hearts. When our hearts are not filled with the praises of God, lesser things move in. Lesser things make themselves at home. 
lesser things shape our hearts to reflect those things that are not God. This is true in our homes, right? And our homes aren't filled with the praises of God. Our homes become filled with lesser things and these lesser things shape us. And this is true of our society. When lesser things fill the society and its thoughts and its attentions, then these other things shape us. They change us. They give us their fruit. When God's praises are not made known, lesser things move in. And as Peter says, we stumble and we fall. And they might not be bad things in themselves, but if they're not God and his praises, we will stumble and we will fall. And so the reality is that God says he wants to redeem for himself a people that we would declare his praises, right? All who trust in Jesus are deeply loved by God. And here's our purpose, to give praise to God by words and actions. Because the reality is if God's people don't make known his praises, then there's a famine for the word of the Lord, right? Who else is going to do it? If God's people don't say there is a God of justice and love and goodness, there is a redeemer. If God's people aren't saying this, there will be a famine for the word of the Lord. People won't know it. And when that happens, lesser things shape our hearts and our heads and our hands. And it might be kind of like people who try to live on a diet of cotton candy. Right? And maybe there's a sense in some of it that there's, well, at least there's a little bit of calories and something, but it's mostly air and calories and there's nothing to nourish us. But in reality, sometimes it's not cotton candy that we fill ourselves with. It's, it's actually poison. Right? If God's people aren't making known the glory of God, then what people will be left with is something that at best doesn't actually nourish. And at worst, kills. At worst, it is a poison. And this happens if God's people don't proclaim his glory. And you see who's the source of the problem. It's not the world, because the world is not there to proclaim the glory of God. The problem is when God's people fail to proclaim his praise. This is why he says, I'm redeeming for myself a people, and their job, their purpose, is to proclaim the glory, the excellencies of our God, how praiseworthy he is. And to proclaim how he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into this marvelous light. So the application is really in two parts. The first part is to choose to fill ourselves with the praises of God's glorious grace. We do get to choose what we fill our souls with. What we fill our heads with, our hearts, what what, what guides our, our hands. And we need to choose to feast on what is given to us. And the reality is it is always available to us. Yet, if we choose to fill ourselves with the latest news, with the latest updates in social media, with the latest in whatever captures our attention, and don't fill our souls with God's praises, we won't be nourished, or we might actually be poisoned. So we should always be learning and focusing on God's perfect love and justice. You know my favorite two words, but God. And when we talk with people, we say there's such trouble in the world. We say, well, yes, but God. Yes, but there is a God who is excellent and praiseworthy. And we need to choose to do that. To have this be in our vocabulary that says, yes, there's all this trouble in this relationship, but God is praiseworthy. Our bodies are decaying, but God is all-powerful. We're in trouble, but God is the God of justice and love. And so it's important for us to think about what do we consume? What do we breathe? What is it that we need? We wake up in the morning and take a deep breath. What is it that we are filling ourselves with? And clearly, we should fill ourselves with the words of the Bible and of good teachers of the Bible to say, this is something that's going to shape my thinking about the world. But it's not only that. I'm convinced that, that we should consume, we should breathe creation. Right? We should breathe the creation that God tells us. We learn in creation when we look at it. 
God's eternal power and his divine nature. We look and we see a God who is great and, and good and creative. We also, when we look at creation, discover human insignificance. <laughs> but we know it's matched with God's great love. What are we? We don't matter <laughs> except for God's love. We see in creation a huge creation and we are so small in it. We should breathe and consume art, visual or music or story or whatever it is, art that points to God's glory. And there's some art that does this explicitly, saying, look to Jesus. And there's some art that does this implicitly by pointing to truth and beauty, even in the midst of suffering. And it says there is hope because there is truth. There is beauty. There is goodness. And a key thing that we should do is to breathe and consume genuine fellowship with God's people who point us to God's glorious grace. See, this is at the core of real fellowship. Real fellowship is not Christians who happen to be in the same place at the same time and they talk about whatever happens to be on their hearts and minds. (laughs) True fellowship is when we together point each other to God's glorious grace. This is true fellowship. We say, yes, here's the trouble and and we, we weep in that trouble and we say, but God... But God is all-powerful and God is good and he is at work. But God is the God of truth and love. So we need to choose to fill ourselves with the praises of God's glorious grace. Because if we don't choose to do that, what will fill us is all sorts of other stuff that at best won't nourish and at worst will poison us. And then we do, as Peter say, that we need to declare God's praises. We need to declare God's praises with our words, to declare his excellencies. It says that the things that make God so beautiful and powerful and good and praiseworthy. And especially, I think, we need to declare in our world that God is a God of perfect love and justice. That perfect combination. He's not just love and he's not just justice. He is this amazing, beautiful combination in perfect harmony, love and justice. And we need to declare these praises of God. We need to declare what God has done for us. The gospel. right? He says, you who once were not a people proclaim that you have been rescued by the mercy of God. We need to proclaim that we need mercy. And God has given us mercy in Jesus Christ. We don't preach ourselves and say, look, we're a group of people who have gotten better. We finally decided we want to do what's right and good. That's not what we say. We say we're a people who's a mess, but God is a God of mercy and grace, and he has come to rescue us. And it's good to declare the mercy of God in big and in small ways. right? We declare it in big ways. Jesus died on the cross. And we declare it in small ways to say, God has provided the food that I need today. God has done what I needed today. We declare his glory, his mercy in the big and the small ways. Hebrews 13 says this, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. And here's what it is. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Say, God is great. God is good, even in our troubled world. And we should declare these excellencies of our God to both Christians and not yet Christians. Such a critical thing to do when we're around fellow Christians is to say, look to God. We know his love. Let's fill our hearts with that. Let's do this when we're together and we say, but God. And we need to do this among not yet Christians so that they wouldn't live in a famine for the word of the Lord. That they wouldn't be left just in the discouragement of looking at the world and his problems. That we would declare that there is a God. And he has sent his son. And we can know him and he's a part of our lives. We need to declare his praises. So in this way, worship and true fellowship and evangelism should sometimes not be very much different at all. (laughs) Our worship is a declaration of the goodness of God. And we do this in fellowship with with Christians. And we do this to proclaim his glory to non-Christians. We should do as our, our purpose is that we would be people who declare the praises of our God. And we should do it as well in our actions. In our actions, we should be like God. We should be a people who are pursuing love and justice. And especially, we should be a people who live according to a bold hope in God, 
even in a broken world. Christians really should be a group of people who are known for their undying hope. Not our hope that the world will just keep getting better and will solve our problems, but our undying hope that there is a God who is redeeming, a God who will restore all things. We should be people who have hope when there's no reason for hope except for God. We should praise God by our actions, by how we go about our lives. And the reality is the rest of this letter of 1 Peter says, and here's what it can look like. Here are some practical applications, what it means to live out the praises of God. Simply put, he says, here's how to understand our God and our place in the world. All who trust in Jesus are deeply loved by God. And our purpose is to give praise to God by words and actions. And so we want to be nourished by God's glorious grace, that even today we would breathe deeply and say, isn't it wonderful that we live in a world where God is at work, where God is reclaiming all of creation for his glory. He has accomplished it through Jesus and the cross and the resurrection, and he is working through his people. We should rejoice being nourished by this grace. And then let us nourish others with the praises of God. And especially when people tell us what a broken world we live in, and we say that is so true. But God, God is a God who's alive and at work. And I know him. Would you like to know him too? An image that's really helped me when I think about church is that one of the purposes of the church is to create space for people to obey God. To, to create a space and say, here's a place that, that you can practice, but not just practice, to really obey God. And so, that's what we're going to do today. That is, to take the words of Peter. He says to all of us who have put our hope in Jesus, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession for this purpose, that you may declare the praises of him. And so we want to do that today. In one way, it's practice for this afternoon or tomorrow, if you're at a party with people or when you go to work or go to class, Whatever it is that you do, this is a practice that says God is good and he deserves being praised. But in another way, it's not practice at all. This is obeying the purpose that he has for God's people, that we together would give praise to him, that we would tell each other our God is good. The world has trouble, but God. So we'd like to do that now. Uh, and I want to create space for us just to do that. Uh, if you're, again, online, um, you can get Jim's attention or you can unmute and share with us. Uh, just a brief word, um, but let us know how you give praise to God. If you're in the room, uh, either come up to this microphone or I'll bring a microphone to you, uh, which helps us all to be able to, to participate uh, in the praise that you give. So, um, yeah, feel free to, uh, to uh, share with us. If I may, I had written in the chat, thankful that God can work all things together for good. With the evil that we see, uh, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's uh, in Texas or New York, wherever these horrific things are happening, God still brings hope to the hopeless and we can trust him to help us to trust him and not blame him for what the enemy of our souls have has caused. And in the Lord's prayer, it says, we're reminded, deliver us from the evil one. And so this brings comfort to us. And the comfort is in the Lord. And I just want to say that the church is a very important place for all of us to gather, to affirm our our faith, to learn more of what and who God is. And yet it needs to stay out of politics because it's driven many people away because they're so disappointed and there's always going to be conflict with political views. 
And so it's really important that we encourage one another and not uh, burden one another with uh, demonizing other people because they they think differently than we do. And and so I just really appreciate the emphasis on on Crossways being a multicultural church because it always touches my heart. And it reminds me of heaven because from every people, every nation, it's important to me to be in an environment like that here on earth. So I am so blessed with the many internationals that have come into my life. And I'm thankful for this Zoom church, and I hope to get back to in-person churches. (laughs) So thank you so much. You've been a very encouragement. Great. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. Good. Someone else? So I'd like to share share a a work that God's been doing in me. So I'm a medical resident in Oklahoma, and uh, I had no idea how hard our residency was going to be. Um, it's uh, <laughs> stupid hard. <laughs> um, but I think that as I reflect on particularly the last six months of residency, which have been particularly grueling without any break, um, and then coming to a season where I do have more time to reflect and, and rest in the Lord, um, in the midst of that reflection, there's been a lot of grief in my own heart as I look back on the ways that um, we know where life is We know what our souls need when we can't draw up any more strength from ourselves. Um, I know where I need to go. And yet, I look at the last six months and see ways that I have not been eating the bread of life. I have not been drinking the living water, breathing the Holy Spirit. Like I look back on that, at, at that and I reflect and I I lament that, and I, I grieve the ways that, like, that doesn't make sense. I know what is required for life, and so then I see the consequences that God is like, I am withering away, I am atrophying, I know, like, and so seeing in, in um, some of the examples listed um, previously, I look back at the ways that I've done poorly, I look back at the ways that um, I often have done um, what I know is is the solution, which is to turn to the Lord. Um, and and so I I can sit and feel like um, I'm crumbling, and and it can be very quickly discouraging. But um, God, um, in this in the last month, God has been showing me. Um, he's actually been uh, words or song When the time when we fear that our faith will fail, he will hold us fast. When our love for him grows cold, we don't even desire him anymore. He will hold me fast. When the tempter prevails and I fear and I become overwhelmed, He will hold me fast. Thank you. And you get overwhelmed. And overwhelmed. But God holds me fast. And so I see that. I'm reminded of, of, of James says, do you really think that the work that God began in you by faith, you will complete by works? And so he's reminding me, he has called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This is his work. He started it. He will sustain the work. He will do the work. It's for his glory. It's for my good. And 
And so, and so I, I long to, to rest in the Lord and in his work. And, and instead of obsessing over, over withering fruit in my life, instead to abide in the Lord. Um, and so I long for the, um, I, I praise God for the work that he's doing to change the narrative of um, the past year of my life to, from, you know, this is really hard and I don't like it. Too. This is really hard, but God is so good, and he's so kind, and he's faithful. He is sustaining me, and he's doing a mighty work in me, through me, for his glory. And, and, and I praise him that, that he is faithful when I am not, that he is good, and he is, um, yeah, he is a good and a, a kind father um, who loves me. So, yeah, I want to um, have a heart that declares the praises of and it's so tempting to grab onto that narrative of, this is really hard, let me tell you why. But I want that the Lord to continue to change that too. This is really hard, so let me show you even more how good my God is. So, praise God for the work he's doing. Thank you. Anyone else? Want to come up? Okay. Um, last week, I I have received an artist visa, and I'm an illustrator. Um, so I finally received a visa that allowed me to work as artist um, after counted nine years of waiting. Um, it seems like our family have like pattern of nine years um, and looking back I, I want to praise God that um, in my mind um, I'm zeroed in um, this visa the stamp on a piece of paper but God is um, he, his mind is much broader than um, than what I have in mind for example um, over the nine years he taught me to um center my practice not only on my skills but also um, use art as a way of worship. Um, I think that's really important to see many artists um, feeling lost or emotionally broken um, when things that they rely on fall. Um, So I think over the years God has taught me my art is not me. and it's a way for me to worship him. I think that's so important because honestly, sometimes my art sucks and I don't like it, but it's, that, that's, that's not me. That, that is my expression of um, worshiping God. Um, and he has also, like he just taught me, faithfully taught me to center my identity on that. And, I think that's a really good foundation, um, and he has taught me um, even the last lag of waiting for the visa. Um, clearly, he was teaching me um, how to set boundaries because I love my work, and I, sometimes I put it on the throne in my heart. And God has showed me that's gonna do you more harm, and I need to sit there so your life will will be. Um, will be more fulfilling because that's what I was made for. So um, that all that is to say that God loves me so much. He loves me too much to just let me um, do what I wanted. Um, and I, I think um, I just want to give him thanks and praise for the years of waiting um, because I know that's what my soul is needed. Um, and he's wiser. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, church. I'm so blessed. I just want to echo a lot of what I heard both Laura and Leslie and um, Esther say. 
And um, just uh, this past couple of months has been um, very interesting for me personally and um, and for our family collectively. And then as I look at the country and our world and all of the things going on, you, you just have a lot of questions. And sometimes you can really stew in the questions. But I, um, I was reminded over and over as I... Um, Traveled and as I flew and as I reflected on this time, you know, that um, in the book of Job, you know, nobody, none of us has ever had, or I have not had the experience of what Job went through when um, he went from being very prosperous to losing everything and losing in ways that you cannot imagine. And, and I was so blessed when he said, you know, he, does, um, he gives and he takes away. And that my heart would choose to say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And um, that is. Um, a depth of understanding of the providence of God, that God is good all the time. That um, there are times when you would look around and you would wonder, like, um, so we, we call ourselves Christians, why do we exhibit less peace? Or why does the things that are, that are Christian not look in the way it should be? But yeah, you know, the, my encouragement through all this is that, that there's always a remnant, that there are voices you see that are really still living and trying to be that light for the for, the, for God's sake, not uh, for the glory of God, not about themselves, and really are still invested in really being salt and light in a world that is so dark. So um, I want to thank uh, Crossway for being part of that voice. I was so blessed to be here, um, to basically um, be in a body where, whether it is Bruce Prey or Leslie, like having people say and speak, and you actually see the heart to say that, you know, that we are not sufficient by ourselves and we're going to get to these seasons where we need each other and that he really has placed us um, in a very intentional way. So um, I just want to say praise be to God that uh, truly he's God in all times and our, our situations don't change God. But I pray that it brings us much more aware of who God is and our need for him and our need to be light and salt and to just really continue that relational and I just really am grateful to be in this season with all of you. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. I can come to you. You okay with that? Yeah. It's taken me as a Christian. Can everybody hear me? Yes, sir. All right. And uh, I used to think that when, the, when the Bible talks about fiery darts or wicked, I always thought that was from people who are wicked and say things to you. But I'm starting to feel I've got some retirement time on my hands. And I've done some more reading and I've figured it out. There's a couple of things that are also part of the dark And that is um, when you get jammed with a lack of confidence. When you get uh, in feelings of inadequacy. And boy, they just fill my head. And then suggestions that are not, I don't think are from God. Let me give you an example. Um, typically, have you ever seen Sandy and I on time for church? Okay. Well, you get these thoughts like, well, maybe I shouldn't go now because we're going to be late. Maybe I shouldn't get up and speak to people because I'll scare them all away. When I come back next Sunday, y'all, everybody will be gone because I got up and spoke. And then I go to John and say, I, I scared them all away. Those, I think, I think are fiery darts in the wicked, telling me not to do it, don't do it, go up there and shake the microphone in your hand when you speak to people. See that? And that's all I wanted to say. I, I, th- I also think that it's hard on students. When I was a student, and I only made it through high school, but I know the feeling that I think my grade's going to be good and I come back and it ain't so good. And then you get that 
thing in your head like, I'm stupid, I'm worthless, I'm no good, I'll never make it. I think those are fiery darts that are wicked also. I always thought it would come from people, but it comes to your head. So when I get up in the morning to protect myself from that, I always pray that at least my words and my thoughts will be guided by the Holy Spirit. And I think, let's take this a step further, I think that shooter that just killed all elementary children. I'm sorry. What do you think is going on in that guy's head? Do you think he was overwhelmed by fiery darts of the wicked? And he succumbed to it. He succumbed to it. He carried it out. All those thoughts that were in his head, my goodness. So, that's where the shield of faith comes in. And uh, the prayer is, I'm forgetting my prayer, I pray every morning. When you, I, also, I also get these thoughts in my head, well, you don't want the prayer to just sound when you rattle it off. Anybody in the cafe? I get in trouble. <laughs> But I was raised Lutheran, and these prayers, like for your meal, or come Lord Jesus, be our guest, and these are gifts to us, because how many let's eat. <laughs> Do we talk to other people like that? God. And I realized as I got older, I should feel like I'm looking at, you can't see God, but I feel like you should feel like you're looking at him and actually talking to him like a person. And then there's one more fiery dart of the wicked. When we pray, we bow our heads and close our eyes. I can tell you a thousand times over, I'll be sitting over here, everybody's praying, and what does my head do? Boom. Close my eyes, right? You'll lead us in prayer. And my head will part somewhere during the prayer. My head gets stuck on something. And then I find myself apologizing to God. Then another fiery guy the way he comes in and says, God's not listening to you. I think those are all fiery guys. May we put on the shield of faith. i got to learn more about that too. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And it's so important to fill our hearts with the word of the Lord. Right. And so in one way, it's protecting what comes in. The other is choosing what goes in. So important. So important for us. Anyone else? Either online or here? Oh. You want to come up if you're willing to? Okay. Great. We can do that. We are called to praise the Lord. And I often find that I don't know what to say. So I really like Psalm 103. It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all within me, bless his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And it says, For the forgiveness of sins, for forgiving all my transgressions. What a beautiful thing to thank the Lord for. The next one is, For healing me uh, of all my diseases. Well, you know, when you get older and older, they don't go away. But I can be thankful for all the help that he has given me and uh, for saving me from the pit. I like to say thank you, Lord, for the promise of heaven. And thank you for crowning me with good things. Isn't that beautiful? Um, I feel like I'm not going to talk because I'm sure I'll cry. But then I am encouraged to see some other people cry. Um, so, um, I was in very bad shape for the past year. I couldn't come to church for a year. And then some of you witnessed how bad I was. And now I'm, I, I, I was sick for a long time from anxiety and fear. And I'm coming back and it really, so it's really bad. And 
It's been going on for years, and I didn't realize it until somebody gave me a very hard opinion and said, God comes. And it was hard to hear, but then now I appreciate that. And during that time when I was struggling, I was just amazed. This, this, what I heard today is so true. Like people, people's words just filled me with a lot of things. Like it was amazing how many people told me, "Don't go to church anymore. Find another place if you if you're not happy with it." And then I was so confused. All good Christian people told me that. And, but what God is telling me was different. I was really confused. And I actually made special words. And then I tried to listen to them first. But then it didn't work. It didn't work. And then I had more stronger, stronger feeling that God doesn't say that. And uh, it was really difficult and and uh, I also thought maybe I'm clinging to my own desire and not really listening to God. Maybe what other people say is right. But then there was one person who is non Christian told me, I hope you can go back to church.
at the war at that time, they often had fire on the darts. But what happens is that when people, they will treat their shields with water. They will soak the shield. So the shield is wet. When the dart hits it, you hear the and it's gone. And like it doesn't have the same amount of power. I think that's a really helpful imagery for me and hopefully for all of us to remember that we need to soak ourselves in the living water so that when the dart heads towards us, you can hear the and then the dart's power is gone. So thank you for sharing. Anyone else? Do you have someone online? I see if we break it up. Do you want to come up for one? Okay. So I, um, I echo, I appreciate your comments, Jake, about the fire darts. And um, this week, I just really struggled. Like, it, it hit a point where I just didn't feel like myself, and it was really acting out kind of nasty. To my partner, um, and it was a lot of just struggle the thoughts that were in my own head of like, I don't know how to respond to this. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to like some of it was things that I needed to do. Some of it was related to the diversity, equity, and inclusion committee that I'm at the school of. How do I respond to these things that show God's truth in a way that shows compassion to those who struggle and to those who are different. So not making sin look normal um, or righteousness look strange, but also just loving people well. So lots of struggles in my head. Um, And not that I wanted to read my Bible, but I found myself, like Samara, to cling to Job because that's where I found myself planting. Um, Each morning, kind of reading through the last part of Job, where God responds, the Lord responds to Job. And it's just so fun that God says, well, you know, do you know where the storehouses come from? Were you around when the foundation, do you know how deep the foundation is? Do you know how broad the foundation of the earth is? Um, those wild beasts, do you know when they have their babies? Do you know how to tame them? Can you get them to come to you? And I had to laugh and think, I can't even get my cat to obey me. <laughs> Let alone these wild beasts. Yet, God knows all of these things. And he is in control of all those things. And it didn't necessarily change my mood and my attitude for the day. But it was, like, I just felt like I had to go back to those and remind myself of those truths when I don't have the strength in my own mind to fight back. And um, so I'm thankful for God's goodness and his his word and reminding of those truths and also as a praise of thanks. Um, I think a turning point was a friend who called and said, I basically need a place to host a farewell party. Will you host it? And I didn't have the mental capacity to host that party, but but by God's grace, it was having to look outside of myself in different ways and I don't know, not making a whole lot of sense, but I'm just really grateful that God God pushes us sometimes and we don't feel like we have the strength and the capacity to, to do anything. And I'm thankful for God's word that reminds us that we really, we have nothing and he is everything. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate the time in sharing. And, and the invitation is uh, not to stop, uh, to Look for the times that we choose to declare. Yeah, especially as we've heard today, times of struggle and times of self-doubt and concern and difficulty and the brokenness of the world to say, but God, and I know this God, and I know the work that he is doing, and so to give him praise. Uh, what I'd like to do right now, actually, is for us to read these words together, um, but to change the you to we. Uh, so could we do that together, but we. But we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, 
but now we have received mercy. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we give you praise today. We thank you for using your people to declare your praises. We thank you for those who have spoken and those who have not, uh, who in our hearts have been declaring your praise. We thank you that we can together declare that our God is good, even in a broken world. We can declare together that God is at work even through hard times. We can declare together that our hope is not in us, but it is in our God, in our Redeemer, and in your Spirit, God. We thank you that we have the promise of life. The one who has called us is faithful. Please empower us to declare your praises, that people would know that there is hope, because there is God. And our God has made himself known to us perfectly in his Son, Jesus Christ. Through his death and his resurrection, he has proven his power and his commitment to be at work, to rescue, to redeem, and to promise to us a new heaven and a new earth that will be overwhelming in its goodness. We have hope because of you. In Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, we pray. Amen.